Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Hello? Dave, what are you doing? What are you doing, man? Question. Okay. 30 years ago this week, there were two major sporting events, one being WrestleMania six, the other being the NCAA championship game. And I'm curious if you know who kind of the main event for each of those was. Uh, the Ultimate Warrior versus Hulk Hogan. How do you it was called the Ultimate Challenge. How do you how do you just have that like in your brain, <laughs> so accessible. Do you know who won that fight? Ultimate Warrior won the match. He did first time. Yeah, that was a huge thing. It was that they were calling it passing of the torch, where they were expecting the Ultimate Warrior to be the new Hulk Hogan, and so turned out he was just a weirdo. But do you, okay, so do you know who was in the NCAA men's basketball championship this week, thirty years ago? In the final four, it was Arkansas versus Duke, and then it was I think Georgia Tech versus UNLV, and Duke and UNLV met up in the championship game and UNLV slaughtered Duke. How do you, uh, that's amazing. Cause I did not prep you for this. You just know that. And you would have been like seven yeah. years old. Right. Uh, well, me and my brother used to watch all these highlight videos on, you know, on VHS. So yeah, my, my knowledge on NCAA basketball is pretty decent. That's impressive, Dave. <laughs> I mean, talk to you later. See ya. From Milieu Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music Movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Bronner. This is Season 2, Episode 14. First season flops and juror jail time. Today we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, April 7th, 1990. Hello friends and welcome to another episode of 30 Pop. I hope and trust that you're all as safe as can be in settling into this strange but hopefully not permanent new normal. I'm doing the same here in Houston, and I'm thankful, as always, for the distraction of 30-year-old pop culture and nostalgia to get me through the week. So let's dive in, shall we? There was a lot happening in pop culture this week in 1990, especially in the music world, where we finally got some new albums and songs at the top of the Billboard charts. After an impressive nine-week run, the longest we've seen so far on this show, Paula Abdul's Forever Your Girl was finally replaced as the number one album in the country by Bonnie Raitt's Nick of Time, almost certainly due in part to its success at the 32nd Annual Grammy Awards a few weeks earlier, which we discussed at length on episode 8 of this season. The top single in the country for the first and only week was Taylor Dane's emotional ballad Love Will Lead You Back, the music video for which I've linked in the show notes. In fact, I've included links to all the number one Billboard tracks from this week in 1990, some of which are gloriously cringy to look back on. Namely, the new number one song in the hot R&B and hip-hop chart, Spread My Wings, by New Jack Swing Quintet, Troop, which comes complete with rooftop choreography and a beachfront grand piano. Other chart toppers included, once again, Digital Underground's The Humpty Dance, and for the final week, Hard Rock Bottom of My Heart by Randy Travis. There was also big, or at least odd, news in television 30 years ago this week, when on April 6, 1990, 
Baywatch aired their first series finale after NBC canceled their show following an underwhelming first season. One of the show's stars, David Hasselhoff, saw potential for the series to be much more successful than it had been. So he and the show's creators and executive producers partnered together to revive the show in 1991 for syndication, where it thrived and even led to a spinoff and some direct-to-video films. But we could talk more about that next year. The number one film in the country this week in 1990 was, obviously and rightfully, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I say rightfully not only because it's a fantastic movie, but also because there just really wasn't much competition. Among the films released that week were Johnny Depp and Ricky Lake's teen rom-com musical, Crybaby, the Kevin Klein, Tracy Ullman, and River Phoenix dark comedy, I Love You to Death, and Jim Varney's truly horrible but no less nostalgic, Ernest Goes to Jail. I hopped on an appropriately socially distant phone call this week with my friend, cousin-in-law, and as of late regular 30 Pop guest, Caleb Sanderson, to talk about it in a segment we call Truly Horrible Things. Caleb, welcome back to 30 Pop. Thanks so much for being on today. Thanks for having me. Man, of course. So you're the only person that I actually knew to talk to. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. You're a lifelong Ernest fan, is that right? I am, uh, and not ashamed to say it. I grew up with the Ernest Goes to Camp movie, uh, and then just kind of followed it through probably Ernest Scared Stupid, and then I I trailed off a little bit after that. Ernest but, P. Whirl, man. Yeah. What a weird, weird character. So you may hate this, but the segment that we're talking about this on is actually called Truly Horrible Things. It's a segment brought to us by our friends at Truly Horrible Things. They make these really amazing card games. They're super fun, and folks can check them out at trulyhorriblethings.com. But this segment is one in which we look back at things that actually are pretty terrible, but that we kind of love them anyway. And so I, like you, grew up with Ernest P. Whirl. I thought it was hilarious when I was a kid. I remember there was a TV show. I remember all this stuff. But Ernest Goes to Jail specifically, I was looking this morning, and it is the second most successful Ernest film after Ernest Saves Christmas. So Only in money, though. <laughs> okay, how do you mean? Well, the movie is truly horrible. Yes. I watched it again for the first time. And in all honesty, when I was a kid, this is one that just didn't stick with me. I love Goes to Camp. I love Saves Christmas. And I love Scared Stupid. But Goes to Jail is just, I never really gravitated towards it. And so watching it again last night, it was pretty clear why, because it's pretty awful. Even for Ernest standards, it's pretty bad. It was a pain for me to watch. But my goodness, it's only an hour and 20 minutes long. And I'm watching it on like this bootlegged copy on YouTube. And I found myself fast forwarding through a lot of parts because it just was boring. It would, And I guess it was the villain character, uh, Nash. Which is also Jim Varney, right? Right. And so, you know, Ernest is getting his his full screen time because all the other Ernest movies, you know, it's pretty much every scene is Ernest except for maybe one here or there. But this was like, oh, when it's not Ernest, it's this Nash character. And the scenes of the Nash character are just ridiculously painful and slow and not funny, which is what you're going for whenever you're watching an Ernest movie. Yeah. So I haven't seen this in years, and I was not able to watch it this week. If I could have found it somewhere for free, I would have endured. But like, I was not about to spend money to watch this. <laughs> Good choice. But I did reread kind of the synopsis and stuff, the Wikipedia article, and I remember it. But why don't you, yes. for folks who also haven't seen this in years, can you give us just sort of a rundown of what, what was Ernest Goes to Jail? 
Okay, so Ernest is a you know janitor down on his luck, trying to move up in the world but can't. And he gets called into jury duty, and he's really excited about it. While he's at jury duty, the criminal that they are trying to pin for murder and life in prison says, hey, he looks like our mob boss or crime boss or whatever. And so they, him and his lawyer come up with this plan to get the trial moved to the prison so that they can switch out Ernest with the mob boss and set the mob boss free and then send Ernest to death row. And so, of course, they do. And Ernest goes to jail. I guess you could say all hilarity ensues. And then meanwhile, Nash is not in jail and he's now working in Ernest's spot, which, of course, Ernest worked at a bank. And so Nash is now coming up with a plan to rob this bank because that was one of the things. He is a mob boss and bank robber. Like they very much stated that at the very beginning. And so this guy's messing up Ernest's life outside of work. And meanwhile, Ernest is inside trying to become a hardened criminal. And yeah, Ernest bashes the guard's head into prison bars. And like the reaction from the guard who's wearing this pink jacket isn't, you just assaulted a prison guard. It is, you're lucky you're not getting, you know, the hole or whatever. And so then Ernest realizes where he is and so he didn't know where he was they, before that. No, because he thought it was all part of jury duty. Oh, got it. Okay. Were, yeah, yeah, yeah. He thought they were being sequestered, you know, because he's an idiot. Finally, it clicks that he is in jail. His two cellmates are in on it, on the swap out. And then one of them ends up befriending him because Ernest is a nice guy and lovable as he's trying to train him how to be this hardened criminal. And then, of course, Ernest finds out that he is not just a hardened criminal in jail, but he's on death row. Somehow 24 hours before, he's just in regular prison. And they're like, all right, let's go. And he's like, where are we going? To the row. Like, what do you mean the row? The row for what? And then like one of the his cellmates like, you know, death, as in death row. That's a literal line from the movie. And then, of course, he has his breakdown and then his super triumphant speech that he has, you know, that in every single movie, he has this speech where he's like, gets built up and this music swells behind him. And then something's about to start. And then he cowers again and goes, <laughs> um, so then he gets electrocuted, which watching back as a kid's movie, sending him to death row, pretty dark. The warden is like watching and smiling as he's being electrocuted, which I thought was a little weird. And so he's being electrocuted, but of course this is Ernest. And there's something at the beginning when he's being a janitor, he gets shocked by his polisher, floor polisher machine that he becomes magnetized. Mm -hmm. And so whenever he gets electrocuted in the electric chair, all of that comes back. And so it doesn't kill him, but it makes him like a superhero. Oh, no, so well, that's, starts, that's good science. That's good. Right. Starts blowing stuff up with electric powers and he escapes prison in that way, but not before his electric powers run out. And one of the cellmates is going to, you know, try to kill him anyway. But then his other cellmate friend stops him. They have this heart to heart. And Ernest's like, why don't you come with me? You hardened criminal. Why don't you escape prison with me? And he's like, no, I belong in here. I have no life out there. It's very weird. Anyway, so Ernest escapes, goes to the bank. And because the Nash bank robber guy decided to set a time bomb for like six minutes, you know, to blow up the bank safe. I don't know why he set that much time, but it gave Ernest enough time to get back and essentially save the day by 
getting electrocuted again. Okay. And then turning into like he has zero gravity. Like he just kind of floats somehow. And then uses this ability to defeat the villain and also get the bomb and fly into the sky and get blown up. And then he comes back. They all think he's dead, but then he falls back and he's charred basically. And he stands up and he says, I came, I conquered, I got blown up and he falls. And that's the end of the movie. Like literally the worst ending of any movie. Where did this film fall? Do you know, like in the series, like how many Ernest films had there been before this one? Okay. So, you know, Ernest started as TV commercials, yes, correct? Yes. Which is bizarre. He was created by an advertising company to. And like pretty local too, right? Like it was just like a local to like Iowa or something. Right. Yeah. And he did get a couple of big commercials like with Coke and, I forget the others, but yeah, it was all local stuff, which I think is why his middle name is P. Do you know what his middle name is? No. It's Power Tool. Okay. Like the P stands for Power Tool, right? And so I'm wondering if that you know has something to do with what he was advertising for. Anyway, so then it became a TV show. Hey, Vern, it's Ernest. Right. I remember that because he had the imaginary yes, neighbor that you never see. Correct. I feel like there may have been a movie he appeared in, but the first like feature film was Ernest goes to camp and I didn't know this, but you know, it was touchstone, which was an, you know, a company that was under the umbrella of Disney. So these are Disney movies. So maybe that's why I love them. So, so it was goes to camp, saves Christmas and then goes to jail was the third, I think installment. It may have been the fourth. And then of course, scared stupid. And then after scared stupid was Ernest rides again. Ernest goes to school, slam dunk Ernest. Ernest goes to Africa. Yes. And Ernest in the army. And apparently there was originally supposed to be Ernest spaced out. Ooh, that one might've been interesting, <laughs> uh, but I did. Okay. So what was the one after Ernest scared stupid? Ernest scared stupid. Ernest rides again. Okay. So that was the last feature one. And pretty much bombed. I think it only made like 1.4 million oh, in gosh. the box office. Yeah. And <laughs> then they just decided to do everything straight to VHS or whatever. And the last one I saw was Slam Dunk Ernest, which featured Kareem Abdul-Jabbar nice. and some magic shoes, nice. if I remember that correctly. But yeah, this particular one, I don't think I'll ever watch it again. Now I was watching the first half of it with my kids last night and they were giggling a lot. You know, there's a lot of which Ernest is a uh, physical humor, right. uh, which I appreciate, but man, the, I think it was just the Nash character as a central point in this movie, just bogged it down way too much. That is not just your classic Ernest being Ernest throughout the whole thing. It, it was a struggle. Let me ask you this. So if we're looking yeah. at this as a truly horrible thing, then what is it that you do get nostalgic about with Ernest? Like what was the appeal do you think to Ernest? He, he's a good guy, right? He just messes up. He's a mess up, but he's an, a kid at heart. I think for me, the characters that he does, you know, he does a lot of impersonations, impressions mm -hmm. throughout his movies, which you don't get a whole lot of that in this movie either, which I think is probably a tragic flaw of this movie. But you get those in all the other movies and where he's dressing up as different characters mm -hmm. and doing a bunch of different voices, which is always fun. I always enjoyed that. You know, his old aunt, whatever, that lady with the neck brace and the green jacket and the pearls. And, you know, he does a lot of those impersonations which are good. You know, he finds himself in these really ridiculously bad situations. And I don't know, it was just funny to me. And then he's always good for a couple of one-liners 
things you could quote just out and about, but in this one, there just wasn't any of that. And so I don't know, like yeah. Ernest goes to camp. I will still maintain is a, a really good movie and saves Christmas is a classic Christmas movie. And even scared stupid is a lot of fun, but Ernest goes to jail was just, just a bad movie. You know, I think part of what appealed to me as a kid about Ernest, and it was certainly when I was younger. Cause by the time, like when we got into like scared, stupid, I mean, I'm 11, 12 years old. Like I'm, I'm kind of not interested anymore, but like, I right. think part of what it was when I was young was that Ernest talked to me. Like they shot it in a way that he's oh, very constantly like looking at the camera and talking and like even asking you questions. At, at least the yeah. TV show was that way. And I loved that. I loved that. Like, as a kid, there was this really funny character talking to me, and I felt like I was kind of a part mm-hmm. of this the story. And so, I mean, that being said, like I look back on this stuff, and it's just like it's just so stupid. And it's amazing to me that all of these direct to video releases were happening post Toy Story. So like he's already right. playing this now iconic character, mm-hmm. but still making these Ernest movies, which is just amazing to me. But Ernest goes to jail. Truly, truly horrible. And uh, I appreciate you for enduring for the rest of us for sacrificing of your time yeah. to rewatch this stupid, stupid movie. And if anyone wants to watch it, just search on YouTube. Ernest goes to jail full movie and you can watch a picture of a guy's living room with a digital TV and you can watch it in that little digital TV screen, which is what I did. And I didn't have to because I have the DVD because it came with like the two set Ernest Scared Stupid and Ernest Goes to Jail. I just didn't feel like putting the DVD in my player. That's, so that's remarkable laziness, man. I, I yeah. appreciate that. So. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Caleb, thanks so much for your time, man. We'll have you back on soon. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Thanks. Huge thanks once again to Caleb for being on the show, as well as my good friend Dave, and to my fine friends over at Truly Horrible Things for sponsoring this segment. Be sure to check out their website, which, like so many other things, is linked in the show notes for this episode. Friends, it's been a joy, as always, looking back with you. Thank you so much for subscribing, listening, rating, and reviewing this podcast. I'll be back next week with a look back at the debut of what became one of my favorite sketch comedy shows of all time. Until then... In the words of Taylor Dane, I won't try to stop you now from leaving, because in my heart I know love will lead you back. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1990 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com. 